0: All right, I've read the campaign booklet three times, I've got backup plans in case the party is determined to go off in some other direction, minis are painted and ready, got all my dice including my lucky 12 cider that I got from DragonCon 2002, all my maps are right here, monster stats are on these index cards, there's four types of M&Ms and a veggie platter on the side table here, I have two pizzas on their way. Soda, beer, and water have been cooling in the fridge since last night. I've rehearsed voices for the important NPCs. All that's left are the players. Oh, oh, that's them. Let's see here. Huh. Oh. Nobody's coming. Good afternoon, good evening, or what good whatever time frame it is when you're listening to this, this is Gaming Street Irregulars. My name is James Iris, joined as always by Christy Harding. Hi everyone! And we have a tremendous treat for you today. We have not one, not two, not three, not five, but four guests in the studio today for our Dungeon Master Roundtable. This is our first podcast on tabletop gaming. We are tremendously excited because this is something that Christy and I both enjoy a ton of. We have a large background in this, and we cannot wait to do more, but we got to start with the basics. we got to start with D&D. And
1: noticing that because we have four panelists with us, I can say that the fourth is with us. <laughs> oh uh, oh boy <laughs> That's not as bad as my
2: tangent question
1: no, no actually but... I think your tangent question was, I think your tangent joke was a lot better actually oh
2: okay
3: have math teacher will pun
1: yeah, before we
0: get too far into these assorted voices uh fans of the mighty monkey business podcast will recognize two of them they are our bosses
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. ladies and gentlemen introducing first Ladies first, the irrepressible, always impressive Tanya Metris. Hello! And Tanya, if I'm not mistaken, you're actually one of the newer uh, Dungeon Masters on our panel.
2: Uh, yeah, I've I've done it um, a couple times. I think I've run, what, three different campaigns? My ADD kicks in, and I stop. Only because I haven't been able to kill the entire party. I've gotten a couple of them, but... That's me. Which is a
3: shame, because you really are quite good at it.
2: Oh, thanks. What, what TPKs? That, too. Uh, no, <laughs> good at DMing, but my attention span doesn't last for more than about six to seven months. Then well, I will somebody- back to playing instead of running it.
0: Hmm. Well, somebody you regularly kill with your, uh, with, with, uh, pardon my stammering, <laughs> 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 Take a drink every time, James stammers. Your liver will, be, liver will be dead by the end of the podcast.
3: Oh, it's fine. You're good.
0: Somebody you regularly kill with your uh, lack of Monty Python knowledge is our second guest, our other boss, Flower City Comic Con
3: Vice President Christopher Frank. Greetings, Earthlings. It's so weird to actually be called somebody's boss. That's like, I'm not ready for that. <laughs>
2: And I truly, I don't think we're truly bosses, we're more of leaders because there's I mean, a difference.
3: community organizer. I think there's probably the best way to describe it
2: a difference between a boss and a leader. I'd rather Maybe be a so. leader than a boss. This is so true. I- sure.
3: Christy and I start jumping. Oh, stop! I, I can't even jump myself. That's the thing. I'm not very athletic, but it's fun to be here. I'm looking forward to this. This is, the, I've always, you know. It, it, I I think I've come to grips. Yeah, you know, you're worrying about you stammering. Uh, I think I've come to grips over the years that D and D really is my primary hobby. I, I I play video games. I do this. I do that. I golf. I you know whatever the case may be. But when we start talking about Dungeons and Dragons, I really become a 12 year old. You know, and, and I'm like, Yay! Let's go! This is gonna be fun. So I, any option to be able to any chance to talk about D and D, I'm good. I'm in.
1: Nice.
0: Well, maybe we'll think- have you back next week, Chris, when we do things from the player character perspective. It'd be fun. Ooh! Mm-hmm. And we'll have a whole separate guest, but we'll talk about that t- more towards the end of the show. But right go. now, we introduce next my own dungeon master for a long-running Dungeons and Dragons campaign that unfortunately went on hold due to the ongoing global bastard.
4: Huh.
0: Uh, Gentlemen, my dear friend and mentor, Seth. And Coates. I'm told to keep it PG-13. Uh, okay. Oh, is that where we are? Yeah. We're
3: PG-13? Okay, I'll be careful. Yeah,
0: just PG-13.
5: Gotcha. Hi, everyone. Um, Seth, I'm a software engineer by trade, but a DM by hobby. Nice.
0: Seth, how long have you been dungeon mastering, or just playing in general, for that matter?
5: Um, let's see. That's, that's a great question. Um, I think I've been running DM games now for six, seven years. And I I really don't get to play uh, as a player too much anymore, which I'm usually fine with.
1: All right. All right. And last, but most definitely not least, is actually one of, is my current DM in a campaign that I do on Saturday nights with Tanya as well. Uh, We are an all evil campaign, so (coughs) that's kind of fun. Um, And that is the wonderful, the knowledgeable Randy Metris.
6: Well, greetings, everyone. Randy Metris here, uh, Tanya's husband, and as Chrissy points out, a, a regular uh, Dungeon Master. Uh, uh, sales and customer service by day, but Dungeon Master by default of the fact that I'm willing to DM.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and you have the basement for it. like Well, yeah, right I do like have some resources,
6: or as some? I fondly refer to an eBay problem. <laughs>
2: <laughs> just a slight one
6: mm-hmm. just been you know playing D&D and other sorted role playing games tabletop role playing games since about 1980
0: nice. wow that's almost as long as I've been alive I was eight well, when he started here. yeah
1: I was one yeah <laughs> All right, so let's jump on into this. Um,
0: We will jump in in just a very quick moment. We are going to take a short break and we will dive into our questions then.
1: back to Gaming Street Irregulars, or GSI as I like to call us. Um, We have with us four wonderful Dungeon Masters, and we have actually asked you guys for your questions to talk to them about DMing in general. So I'm actually going to start with a very basic one. Um, Randy, since you are actually the longest uh, player out of all of us, who's been doing the longest, what's your favorite thing about being a Dungeon Master?
6: Hmm. Trick question. Uh, I'd have to say probably my most favorite thing is just the opportunity to socialize with a really diverse uh, population of gamers. Uh, you know, uh, if, if there's anything that Tanya and I have uh, learned over the years of gaming is uh, we've really met some fantastic and wonderful people and really um, developed, created, uh, uh, just lasting Friendships. I mean, we still keep in touch with uh, you know people we haven't gamed with in in many many years because you know life has dragged them away to uh, to other pursuits or other parts of the uh, country or or even the world.
2: I know one of our players is now in Australia.
0: Oh, that's impressive.
6: Yeah, it that doesn't cool. get too far more distant than that. No
0: kidding. <clears throat>
2: All right, Tanya, uh, same question? Same question. Uh, uh, What do I like the best about DMing? Mm -hmm. What's your favorite thing? Favorite thing about DMing? Um, I would think, well, just my favorite thing in general, whether I'm a player or a DM, is going out and getting new dice for a new campaign. (laughs) <laughs> that, 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 I'm sorry but i, I am um uh, i'm i is randy has a rock
3: a, addict.
2: as randy has an ebay problem with books and redundancies i have a problem with dice no but um seriously to yeah i would have to jump on with what randy said being able to um have the lasting friendships um relationships friends family Whatever and bringing the, the kids into it. I'm like, I mean, other than Randy, like Randy and I have been playing together since 1992 when I started because I'm like, hey, what's that? I had no clue what it is. Um, I had no idea what Dungeons and Dragons was. Um, so just being able to meet and play in the different campaigns and see how the different DMs run and try to use some of that myself is. That's what I like the best about being a DM is seeing what other DMs do and see how I can incorporate it as my own.
0: All right.
6: And and here, just to add in the very first tangent, just to satisfy uh, Chrissy Chrissy. and and Tanya, (laughs) you should tell them the dice story. Oh, yes.
2: We can do the dice story later. But okay. yes, but we'll do the dice story.
6: <laughs> we'll put in me. on that one. <laughs> and speaking of dice, Tanya,
0: there's an Etsy store that is unfortunately taking a break right now that I've got to show you some really fancy patterns for these dice.
2: Ooh, I pretty. I know, I just bought my most expensive dice that I bought uh, last week. were like $17. It was the um, rhyme of the Icewind Dale. Set from Amazon, but it's not the most valuable that I've owned, and that will be the little teaser.
3: (laughs)
5: Okay, oh, good job, well done!
2: Yeah, well, Seth, how about you?
5: Yeah, so, um, you know, my my favorite thing of being a DM is uh, getting together with my friends, you know, every week, um, running a, a game where everyone can sort of shine, everyone has some sort of input, um. And, and is able to, right, as the DM, a lot of times I think it's forgotten that you're also playing the game. And so, so in games where everyone is having fun, including the DM, those are, those are like the, the best moments, right? Where, uh, where things are happening, the DM didn't plan it, uh, everyone's learning about whatever's going to happen next as it comes. That's, uh, that's the best for me. that, that
2: uh, have Randy tell you the story about the Constitution for... One of his campaigns. (laughs) He didn't have to do a darn thing.
3: There are days you just sit back and enjoy the show.
4: Yes. That's
6: one of the joys of just kind of playing off the cuff. The party was arguing over the distribution of magic items, relatively high level. People had different plans for not only their own characters, but the NPC cohorts that were following them around. I got to sit back and relax for well over two hours while they hashed out a party constitution in regards (laughs) to the splitting of the spoils. It was glorious, and they wrote it down too. (laughs) And every new player that
4: came
1: to sign it. (laughs) (laughs) I had to see this constitution.
2: I'll have to find it. It's in one of my lawful good character uh, binders, but we—I still have it somewhere too. <laughs> My god, yeah.
3: Chris, you're last up. I am, and I'm going to build on you know that which everybody has said already the whole you know the community and having time with your friends and socialization and all that. And and like Randy and, and Tanya and Seth before, we've, we've met some amazing folks over the years. Uh, and and uh, there are quite a few players that I still socialize with once in a while, and there's a few people that I've missed I haven't seen in a, in a long time, but for me. Um, You know, one of my other hobbies that I've had since I was in high school was writing, you know, writing stories. So I I kind of have the storyteller perspective where I will create these epic tales. So they feel the players feel like they're in these these huge, you know, epic fantasy moments. And, you know, so sometimes those who are a little bit more tactical and like the, um, you know, knock down the. Door, kill the monster, get the loot kind of thing. They might not be as satisfied with some of my games, but I get to tell that story and, and they get to feel like they're a part of it. And and we've had some really amazing moments unfold because of that. And, and it's, it's just, it's fun to be
6: able to share that.
0: Very nice.
6: Well, just to, to riff off of Chris's comment, I mean, uh, the story, whether it's something that was planned out in advance and the players are participating in or the mm-hmm. story that the players are creating as yeah. the game unfolds—it's absolute blast to reminisce over those stories. And and also, as Chris touched on, you know, there are players and and good friends from our past which are no longer with us, and it's a joyful mm-hmm. way to remember them.
3: Yeah, yeah. I have um an old one of my best friends from my college days passed away. About oh god like 10, 12 years ago at this point, but he was a regular player in one of my games. And every so often I'll be, you know, chewing the fat with a couple of the folks that we used to play with in the same party. And we'll remember, you know, oh, and what about this and this? Oh yeah, we have these war stories essentially that we can share with with everybody. So it's kind of fun.
4: Yep.
0: Okay, that's, those are some, that's, 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 we're already getting a bunch of fun stories. I, I barely even know where to start, <laughs> <laughs> or rather, where to continue. So, so we'll actually go with uh, with one of the questions from uh, our FC3 Mame Lord Jason Bourne. At least that's his Facebook name. What aspects of tabletop gaming are unique compared to other RPG types, like live action role play? Any of you guys, our gal, can jump in.
6: Well, unless it's a uh, you know really uh, uh, suspenseful uh, situation, which does occur, uh, mm. you certainly don't get as winded or sweaty or <laughs> 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 bruised, for that matter.
1: Yeah, yeah. but it can be just as expensive.
6: <laughs> That's true. 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 <laughs>
2: I I would think that the tabletop might be somewhat more expensive potentially than some LARPing Um, because like you can repurpose some of your, your um, foam swords and things like that. Uh, Pardon me in a second. My mom's calling. I keep hanging up on her. Um, uh, That just with the cost of the dice and the books and, um, and, time and things like that, I think that might be somewhat unique, especially if you have players such as myself that have to get a new set of dice for every new campaign, and it's not just one set. It's like maybe three or four. That type of thing. <laughs> that might be the unique thing. At least that might be unique from my perspective. We
6: interrupt, have no idea what you're talking about. No. It's an investment.
1: <laughs> well, uh, yeah, well, I, I should have gone What's back the and the bought point? more of those
2: dice. but
1: Well, but on mm-hmm. It, it, it's not unique to you. I, every time I walk into Millennium, I'm always like, I look I'm at the mirrors, and then I have to stand in front of the dice counter for such a long time that the guys are like, "Can we help you?"
6: <laughs>
1: I'm just looking.
6: Do they hand I, you paper towel for the drool?
1: No, <laughs> I mean, haven't had to that point yet. Although the one guy. Last night when I bought the pair of dice that I brought to the game night, the, the beautiful purple set, I was like, I need this like I need a hole in the head. He goes, well, we don't specialize in holes in the heads, but we can give you as much dice as you want. For dice.
5: <laughs> so, So, I mean, to add on to this, though, I mean, it sounds like you're making this out to be an extremely expensive hobby. When in reality, though, I mean, you can do this with a pen and paper, yes. a ten, yes. you know, a $10 set of dice. And you can get the basic, you know, 5th edition rules for free online. Yeah. Yeah. So, if, if you want to get into this hobby, it does not cost anything really and that's phenomenal point
6: phenomenal point when i got into the hobby you know it was either you knew somebody and you could get photocopies of stuff or you saved up your allowance to buy the you know oh god it was ten dollars a book at the time in the 80s but still that was a phenomenal amount of money and now you can go to drive through rpg or any of the other uh, you know websites and buy pdfs or print on demand um and and you can role-play anything. I mean, selection was a lot more limited when I started than, than it is today.
2: Or if you're friends with Randy and you come to our table and you don't happen to have a book, we might have one to give you.
6: <laughs> I was a NASA engineer in a former life, and I believe in redundancy. Yeah, <laughs> eBay Yeah, Back to the point about cost,
0: they say the rate of inflation is going down. That Mm -hmm. in 1750 will get you a character
3: miniature. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is, is I think in the modern and and to build on Seth's point, which is exceptionally valid, um, you know, with open game licensing and things like that. Uh, if you're into fifth edition, which is the current edition at the time of this recording, um, you know you can go and find a website that has basically all of the structural rules all of the character classes all of the feats and everything everything you need to get going and well what have you spent money on you spent money on your are connection and that's it so that really kind of makes it extremely accessible
6: Oh, that, that's a great point, Chris. And I think really, you know, Wizards of the Coast started that with third edition and the open game license. Yeah. And then, you know, you had websites popping up like the, uh, you know, the uh, system resource documents. Mm-hmm. You could literally play the game from the system resource document. I mean, how many times do we use it regardless of, you know, third or fifth edition when we're sitting at the table? You know, everybody's got their smartphone handy. You can pop it up and look for a ruling or a description.
3: Sometimes it's easier to look it up online than it is to uh, kind of page through the book and figure out where the hell it went.
6: Exactly.
0: So, so I want to rewind just a slight little itty-bitty bit because mm-hmm. uh-huh. Tom mentioned swords and the <laughs> like. And uh, one of Chrissy's uh, friends, Serene's group, had the question, have anyone ever had a player show up in full costume to play? <laughs> and,
1: and, and if they did... They want to know if it was well made or was it cheap.
5: So well, so I have never had a player show up in costume, but I would love it. That would be great. And if it was well done or not well done, it doesn't matter. I think it would exactly. be excellent for everyone.
2: Actually, we can say yes. We've actually had a player show up in um, mostly full costume to play um, at our table on a Sunday because, oh,
4: of Robin?
3: because,
2: because they're a LARPer. Yeah. And they were coming from field.
3: Yeah, and our co- friend Robin.
2: Coming from field from their, their live action role playing right. to the D D table on the same day. So oh my God. They would they would be in their LARPing gear already.
1: What it were was, they LARPing as?
2: Yes. Um, I I don't know.
3: Well I can say yes. Various very yes very yeah, okay. yeah
2: we're not sure all i know is they have a boffer sword that they bring every so often
6: <laughs> and i don't and know tanya in your short-lived fifth edition campaign your eldest son did make a staff out of cardboard and glitter oh yes he did
2: <laughs> <laughs> it, it was his uh, staff of stone
6: yep. that's nice.
2: great i uh, forgot
6: that, about
3: that yeah
2: That that was funny
3: Way back in the college days, though, our group was especially, you know, mental, and we we put the fun in fundamental.
6: So nothing's um, changed.
3: Chris. That's true. <laughs> I'm, consi- I'm if nothing, I'm consistent. Um, but um, what had happened is that we were also big in Renaissance Festival. You know, we all had season passes to Sterling, things like that, and we would throw an annual medieval banquet. Well, one year we're, we're throwing the banquet and we knew what was going on. And, um, you know, by the time we were all done and the mead was flowing and we're like, Hey, we should play. And sure enough, <laughs> it wound up into an all night game session. And when, you know, here we are in our, in our garb from, from uh, Ren fair and everything, we were having a grand old freaking time. It was amazing.
4: Nice.
1: So also from Serene too, um, Serene did ask this. Now, Serene's group is a bunch of teenagers that actually ended up starting a D and D after school group at oh, Pittsburgh yeah. Sutherland. Um, since then, Serene has started going to Mercy, um, and okay. she's actually, unfortunately, she has not been able to start a group at Mercy because when she started at Mercy, they went remote. Yeah, yeah. So it's a little hard, but that's actually where this question comes, especially right now with um, with the pandemic. What are some ways that a person who wants to role play can get in touch with some online groups? Um, Are there places where DMs advertise for new players? Um, Because this has kind of killed any in-person activity. Um, So for those who want to play but, you know, can't leave their house or don't want to leave their house for safety reasons, what are some of your advices to them?
3: Well, I I have
6: a couple. Go ahead. first. Yeah. So um, there, there are various sites out there, um, you know, the, the meetup sites and things like that, which, which may or may not still be valid options. Um, I haven't explored them myself, but uh, I do haunt regularly a number of different uh, boards, if you will. Uh, one of which is RPG.net uh, is a great, uh, uh, very welcoming, open community uh, that covers all sorts of of role-playing stuff and i also referred the fc3 folks to because they regularly and sadly provide updates on luminaries in the uh, the rpg you know field uh, that mm-hmm. have passed recently um so rpg.net is one uh en world so uh echo novemberworld.org is another um, another very open, welcoming community. They tend to embrace the latest and greatest, so 5th edition is very prominent on their site. Um, Dragonsfoot.org is another one. Now, it's kind of dedicated more to old-school or d your, your classic or basic, your first edition, original d but they do embrace other games as well. And all three of these sites do regularly have you know looking for players or looking for DM uh, links or blogs. And just to throw it in there, because it's a fun site to pop around on, and it also touches on the DICE story if we get to it later, uh, the ACM.com, A-C-A-E-U-M.com, which really focuses on the collectability aspect of role-playing games.
3: Okay. Well, I'm going to say that was a hell of a better answer than I had. bit. <laughs> I'm just gonna throw that out there for nothing um but what what i was going to mention is and in this we were just talking about in the saturday group that i'm in um d d beyond you know the product that is basically the current digital companion to fifth edition uh they have a discord server and so there's a lot of discussion groups in there and there's also a couple of meetup groups in there so it's as simple as using some of the current uh communication technology that a lot of gamers and a lot of just folks just use in general
6: yeah, good call. Good call. Wizards, I would imagine, would be a uh, maybe a resource. I haven't been to their site in a while.
3: Mm-hmm. You know, that's the, and I think that's, and it touches on that the tangent that Seth put us on when we were talking about expense because we got into our we got into our, our rut talking about you know expensive dice hobbies and things like that, and he made it very clear, and and I agree completely um, that this is a very easy hobby to get into. So there are a lot of resources out there to to make it accessible and and you're gonna you're gonna find communities that are people who are willing to to sit down with you and say hey i know you're new don't worry we're gonna get you through it and you're gonna have fun and and here's what you focus on and here's here's the things you need to do right off the bat and and then and don't worry about the rest we'll get you through the rest and and you'll get used to it and there's a learning curve and we'll and we'll help you with it so there's a lot of communities out there who are not afraid to do stuff like that
6: well, let's let's boil it down. Here here's the best invitation to new players. Bring your imagination. That's all you need. Yeah.
1: That's one of yeah. the best things about D&D is, is it's just your imagination. That's all you need. Mhm. One little
5: spot. And and so if you uh, if you do join a group online and it doesn't seem to uh to mesh with you, feel free to find another one, right? Exactly. You know, not exactly. not every group is going to fit every player. Right. And that's just down to people's personalities or maybe how the DM wants to run their game, not necessarily how you want to play it or something like that. So if you yeah. do find an online game and you're not really liking it, go ahead and just, uh, you know, t- tell them and then just find another one. Yeah,
6: exactly. Mm-hmm.
3: I've, I've run into several people who have been like, oh, yeah, I tried it and I didn't like the people who played it. Well, you know, OK, that was that group. How about you come hang out with us for a little and it turn
5: turned them around on it? Right. I mean, every group is going to be quite a bit different. You know, there'll be some similarities here and there, but they're they're all unique.
0: And that actually dovetails into the next question I want to get to, because it is from my friend up in Canada, who Christopher Frank wishes I would shut up about for once. No, it's fine. It's Northern Mel, right? What advice would you give to someone who is interested in tabletop gaming, but overwhelmed at the complexity of it?
5: yeah so so i think honestly the best way to get in is is try to find someone that you may know even if it's an acquaintance of an acquaintance who already knows how to play or has you know in a game now or has played in the past because uh that that will really help you get into it because you don't have to read all the rules ahead of time you can sort of just join a game And then they'll tell you how to do it. You know, basically, you just got to come and say, "Hey, I want to jump up on a ledge and shoot my bow." And they'll tell you how to do it. They'll tell you Mm. what nice to roll and everything. You don't need to know how. You just need to know what you want to do.
2: Yeah, and um, we would invite somebody in to like watch the game for a couple sessions to see how the people interact and things like that. Or we might give them like an NPC to play that's a fighter that's really really easy. And we say, all you have to do is. Roll this dice right now, and they're like, What and then you can say, What do you want to do? type thing, and then they usually, um, like get sucked in at that point. Um, I, t- I talk about it a lot at work with my students, and then they roll their eyes at me, they're like, You're such a nerd. And I said, Yes, <laughs> and I'm very proud of it, too. Yep. Um,
1: nerds run the world,
2: yeah, and and they're like, Oh, I've wanted to get into DD, oh, I want to do that, and, and so. Like some of my students are like, oh really ah so they're they they kind of become interested in and there goes my tangent at work from my algebra or my consumer math class that I'm doing. But um then I have to try to bring it back to whatever I was teaching. But I just inviting them into to see it first and then they'll realize that it's not as complex as one makes it out to seem.
4: Yeah
3: it's demystifying it that's the thing and i think it's the big thing you have to do is just you you take the complexity out by just being up front and um and saying you know hey look this is this is about what you can imagine and then we'll just learn the rules together as you go along and and figure that out um my my daughter's boyfriend had never played before and so by it you know when they first started seeing each other he joined our group and I just handed him the player's handbook. I said, don't try to memorize anything. Just read the first, read the introduction, you know, read, read the, the opening couple of, uh, of sections there. Don't worry about the classes. Don't worry about the combat rules. Just start with that and then kind of peruse around and don't feel beholden to have a certain rhythm. You don't have to do a certain pattern. Just kind of start poking around and, and looking at it. And, uh, and it, it's worked. I mean, now he's at this point, he's, he's actually talking about becoming a DM now so nice
6: you know. well hey i touched on it earlier right imagination is is a powerful powerful yeah. thing it really is and and everybody has it you know they may deny it may be the most straight laced you know by the book person in the world but but everybody has imagination we all play pretend as kids right and it was fun we had a great time mm-hmm. It's just pretend with some rules you know a little more yeah. structure you know i I don't actively seek players. My players actively seek players for my game. So I don't know what that means. (laughs) Chrissy,
1: I'm sorry. (laughs) I have to say it's actually been one of the better role-playing experiences I've actually had is playing an all-Evil campaign. Like It's one of my top experiences up there with the one that's still been going on since college, and we meet every so often on Skype just to do a three-hour session. Skype. So, oh, I, mean, I know
6: the honest. I, I, let, let's be honest, Chrissy. You and Tanya and Sean just like torturing Mark. We we all know the truth.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> oh my God, he's so much fun to torture. He's it's it's not that he's fun to torture. His character is fun to torture because his character's so uptight. It's so easy to just. <laughs> let's be honest. Uh, he's, we're just going to try to. Try
2: to get Mark to roll... How many times we can get Mark to roll his eyes during a a game night?
1: I think it's like five or six. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm sorry. He's a human who's in a party with two elves and a drow. What were you expecting to happen? Of Uh, course we're going to have fun with him.
2: Especially when we're all evil. And our, our son Tyler tried to play a chaotic good character in the beginning of that campaign... And he lasted one night.
6: Well, you came home with whip and tickle. So.
2: No, that was Sean. It was Sean bought uh-huh.
6: that. It Sean who who brought has that. it? Who has it?
2: I do, I do have it in my bucket, but only I store it for Sean. I'll put it in his oh, spot.
6: Oh, okay.
2: Well, it depends <laughs> on who gets to beat you with it. Uh-huh. No, uh, no,
3: you, have, no, you have to tell the audience at home what
6: Whip and Tickle are.
4: <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm sure they can imagine what Whip and Tickle <laughs>
2: are.
6: You know that far, dark corner Spencer's Gifts? Just over oh, yeah. back there and you'll know. Yes.
4: There you go.
0: Well, we're both
2: playing. Which one?
0: They're all far dark corners.
2: <laughs> the one that's got like a whip and a feather on the other end, on the end of a stick. I'll just leave Let's it at them. that. Um, take... Sean and my characters uh, worship Leviathan, the, the priestess of pain. So we're an evil char- character. So we're just like, who's going to beat who? And because that's part of our worship. And so yeah. I usually win, and Sean's the one that's getting beat. So. <laughs> uh, but I couldn't beat him last night cuz he was in Pennsylvania. So yeah, Christy, oh God, where are we on the night.
3: tangent board, dear?
2: Uh I think
1: we are now up to 3. <laughs> okay. Actual ta- actual true blue tangents? I don't uh, see that
2: t- to be a tangent cuz it's part of no. the discussion of
1: the the whole DM type stuff and well, No, I asked <laughs> you how <laughs>
6: open the, the the game is.
1: Okay. So <laughs> on 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 the note of of stories during role playing, do you guys have any lawful stupid paladin stories?
4: And this
1: is from the teenagers, and it's like as in killing any morally dubious box for the sake of justice, but then blaming it on bad role playing of the character. Like a character does something that's out of character, be like, no, no, I just, I just made a mistake role playing. That's good. That's cool. Don't hit me. <laughs> mm, no, but there's some. I've heard
3: stories, but I've never actually experienced one or been involved in one myself.
1: How about you, Seth? You ever had any of those happen?
5: No. You you know, um, especially for for my games, um, the whole alignment system, while we do sort of use it, it's not really well enforced, necessarily. So people kind of do what they want to do, and they don't do it because oh, well, my character is lawful good, so they would absolutely do this, right? It that's not really how how it runs for me. Um, so I, I, I guess I haven't really seen it.
1: Have you had any stupid player moments where a player is Dunstump and you're like, really, <laughs> yeah. really? That's oh, what yeah. you chose to do?
5: Well, yes, I mean I have had that. Um, there, there was uh, there was one player. Uh, the character name was Sophie, and uh, she was kind of a. I'm gonna try everything I possibly can. This was also the first time this person had ever played. Um, well, I mean, it, it was the first campaign they'd ever played in, and at one point, uh, we did come upon a dragon, and it was sleeping, and they wanted to poke it.
2: <laughs> oh, so they did poke a sleeping dragon.
5: The rest so is history. Did. Yeah. <laughs>
6: Yep, is that player's name Hunter by any chance? <laughs> <laughs> no. We
2: we have a, a player in in our Thursday and Sunday campaigns that she her name's Hunter and she will touch anything and everything. And
3: she's ex- she's an explorer.
2: She is an explorer. So if you've listened to. Uh, Monkey business. We've mentioned Hunter quite often when we're playing it, and she plays chaotic Wexler. Yes, because um, that's it's her, her last, her last name. name. Yeah, but I want to say the probably the, the 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 stupid thing was her father
4: <laughs> in, in Randy's
2: in Randy's campaign. He was playing a thief or had thief abilities, and he would check traps on everything, everything. Is that fork trapped? Is that knife trapped? Is this trapped? Is that trapped? Whatever. The one and only time he did not tell Randy, I check for traps, there was a poison trap on the handle to a drawer. That Glorious. That Evan <laughs> failed his save. <laughs> failed. And he took how many con points of damage?
4: 16. All,
2: 16. Evan, the answer is all of them. <laughs> the all of them. <laughs> con. Evan died because he did not say I check for traps.
3: Evan, Tar rules
6: bender,
2: and he's like but but but, and Randy's like, nope, you didn't say it.
6: Much like Jane never- getting beat up by a ninety pound girl, that story never grows never old. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, wait, is this the same Evan that oh, when you when you were in the dragon's lair, there was a dragon in the middle, and half the group goes left, and half no, the group- that, was oh, was
4: that was Brian. Brian. Yeah.
2: That was Brian. Okay. That's one of Chris's friends, Brian, that went to um, but uh, Brockport with him. The 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 group we are playing against the giants. We are in the um layer the um ice of the ice giants. Half the party goes left, half the party goes right. Brian goes, I fly up the middle. Randy as the dragon's like left, right. Hmm. Breathe down the middle. Killed Brian. (laughs) He didn't do it once. He did it twice because then he did it in the mates layer in the same campaign in the same module. So yeah, like you would think that he would have learned from the first one. Oops, uh, dope.
0: and this <laughs> actually does this actually got me to thinking of a uh, rash of player of character archetype that. Seth's significant other, Alicia, and myself have unleashed on him on recent days, the YOLO gnome.
3: (laughs) 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 The YOLO gnome? Yeah, Yeah. so the 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 name um...
5: alone inspires... With the, the character that uh, that my wife, Alicia, was playing, the, whenever the players, and, and James was one of them at the time, would uh, would spend too long talking about what they were going to do, she'd go, YOLO, and then just start charging ahead.
2: Are you <laughs> sure right that ahead. character's name's not Hunter?
5: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Seriously, are you sure it's not Hunter? <laughs> no, I Does think we're pretty sure. Oh, man, uh, that, that okay. sounds I know. like hunter.
3: It sounds painfully familiar, yes. Yeah. And, I think that's, and, and
6: that's and the, the tangent thing. even yeah. further, but, uh, you know, our illustrious Don the Engineer. <laughs> and his, uh, his, his uh, barbarian character who rushed headlong into a mage's lightning bolt and got vaporized because he miserably failed his save and <laughs> a la paranoia I had the rest of the table stand and give him an ovation
2: he charged the mage over a rope bridge over a chasm instead of ducking around
1: the corner
3: the ghost of his mother came out and said you're grounded Yeah,
1: <laughs> are you kidding me? oh my gosh <laughs> oh lord
2: yeah I, I i think i don't know it's just being a player and being a DM, you as being a DM, you're just inwardly cringing, going, Oh, don't do that. Oh, that's going to be bad. Oh, that's going to be bad. Whereas Randy's like, Oh,
4: touch do it, it. Do it, Touch please, it, please. do it, do it.
2: Yeah, <laughs> me, I feel bad. I'm like, Oh, this is going to hurt. I'm so and I'm I get apologetic and I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They're like, It's okay, it's just a game, but I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs>
6: Three little words for Hunter. I love you.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I see. That's why I don't think I can DM for any length of time, because then I start to feel bad. And, and my my Pisces water sign kicks in, then I feel really, really bad. I'm like, okay, I got to like end this, and I'm like, okay, I'm done. I, I got to pass this on to somebody else to, to, quote, unquote, be the bad guy. I can't do it anymore.
5: Speaking so. of, of being the bad guy, right, when when you're going to have a player and it's clear that they're getting very close to death, uh, generally I roll my dice behind the, uh, the shield, right? But in those situations, um, I like to roll them out in the open so so everyone's on the edge of their seat as as I am too, and you know it. It's it's kind of it kind of lessens the blow of I'm sorry you died, but you can see that that's how the dice rolled. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah.
4: Hello,
0: everyone. Future James here, and uh, we had so much content for this podcast from our glorious roundtable that. We had to break this episode into two parts. So, you're not going to wait long for part two. It will be released tomorrow, same time as your usual podcast upload, 7 a.m. Eastern Time. We hope to see you then, but in the meantime, here's the conclusion to today's episode. Want to support the Irregulars? Head over to www.patreon.com backslash FC3ROC. We're part of the media division of Flower City Comic Con, based in Rochester, New York. We're a non-profit group. Everything we make off of Patreon and everything else we do goes right back into putting on our future conventions and other events, from reserving the facilities to bringing in guests. If you pledge any amount, even a slim dollar you will receive improved access to my blog entries, where every Tuesday I go over current video game news and write retrospectives on old-school arcade games, all delivered conveniently to your inbox. There's plenty of other perks and rewards, and if you don't see what you're looking for, reach out to the crew. They'll be happy to work with you. Want to get a hold of us in particular? You can email Christy directly at k-r-i-s-s-i at fc 3 rocorg and me at J-A-M-E-S at F-C-3-R-O-C dot At the moment, we're still working out most social media matters, but we are indeed on Facebook at Gaming Street Irregulars. Chrissy and I are fairly frequently there sharing news and things we find cool, and begging, I mean asking, for your questions and answers to be used in upcoming episodes. Yeah, asking, that's the ticket. We love hearing from you all, whether you have praise, constructive criticism, or just want to share something cool and gaming-related yourselves. Also, wherever you find FC3 on social media, we're usually not too far behind, so if you reach out to them with something for us, they'll get it to us shortly. Legally speaking, all music, sound effects, voice clips, and so on are the properties of their respective owners. We make no claim to them and have no intention of profiting off of them. Please don't sue us. We have nothing you'd want. And now, finally, today, uh, this day in video game history, in 1999 in Japan, the game series that launched as many speculation theories as Blistered Thumbs became a reality, Super Smash Brothers.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's such a fun game.
0: I think I've only played it once.
2: i played it a couple <laughs> times. I keep falling off the edge.
0: That, a common occurrence.
1: Yeah. Very much a common occurrence. So once again, this is Gaming Street Irregulars. I'm Chrissy. This is James. We'd like to thank tonight. our wonderful panel for joining us today. And you guys have a wonderful night and keep gaming.
3: Well, thanks for having us on board, gang. I, this is a lot of fun? Yeah, thanks thank you for coming right. in. Thank you well,
1: tonight, for coming, guys. Yeah,
6: who knew an hour and a half would go so quickly?
3: Gamers,
1: gamers. Yeah, no kidding.
3: Yep. <laughs> Remember D and D, where you know. Eight years of travel can be done in eight seconds, but eight seconds of combat is done in eight
1: years. (laughs) (laughs) It's
4: It's true.